What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Form Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camella. What's up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? NBA season is in full swing, baby. Ain't that the truth, man? Is Portland for real at 4-0 and job baits Ben Simmons into fouling out? We got some great games that's happened in the NBA this past week. But the real question is to tank or not to tank for Victor Wimbanyama for San Antonio, Utah, Minnesota. So many surprising teams. We'll get into all that action. But, Chris, we got to start off first with the Russ saga continues Mm. for the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, in my opinion, it's not all about Russ. The Lakers have bigger issues than Russ right now. In my opinion, their 0-3 start after dropping games against the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Portland Trailblazers this past Sunday could possibly be 0-6 after games against Denver and Minnesota this upcoming week. But, Chris, what do you make of the fact that the Lakers can't get their shooting right? They're shooting 21% from the three-point range, which is as bad through a three-game stretch to start an NBA season ever in the history of the NBA 75 years. Russell Westbrook is shooting 8% from the three-point line. He's averaging 11, 7, and 4, um, looking pretty miserable out there at times. The big hubala on Twitter and in the NBA world is the shot that the Rus- that Russell Westbrook took down the stretch in the Portland game uh, with about 30 seconds left said it was going to be possibly a two for one, but took a bad shot. And he obviously bricked that and that allowed Portland to get up an extra shot to be able to take the lead and thus the game and go on a 14 to four run to close the game when the Lakers were up by eight points uh, with less, with less than five minutes to go. So Chris, what do you make of all the fact that, the Lakers have a rust problem, clearly, but they're trying to hold out for at least 20 games or so reportedly. So that way they could let the trade market develop and see what other teams are going to be jock- jockeying to do. What's well, your take on all this, man? Yeah, I really don't even know where to begin. Uh, so let's let's just let's just put Russ aside for a sec. There's a lot to be disappointed about in an 0-3 start. There's a lot to actually look at and say, you know what? couple tweaks here, a couple tweaks there. We might be something different, but guess what those tweaks are? Shooting, Chaz. Shooting. The last couple of years, this team cannot shoot the basketball. They couldn't do it in 21. They couldn't do it last year. I mean, I I think they were obviously better than where they are right now, but this is a team that just, for for a team that has LeBron James, you got to have shooting. Look at his success, the first sit in Cleveland, Second sin in Cleveland, Miami. What was the common denominator? Floor spacers. You don't have to be the greatest shooters in the world, Chaz, but you have to have enough of a threat where those defenders are going to stay attached to those guys to give LeBron and Anthony Davis and in the past Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade, and so forth, room to operate. That's what the game is predicated on. Guess what Jordan needed? Steve Kerr, Ron Harper, Judd Bushler, Tony Kukoc. Kobe needed Fox, Ori, Fisher, Shaw. Even Magic and Kareem back in the day needed the mid, maybe not three-point shooting, but the mid-range shooting of guys like Michael Cooper and A.C. Green and Byron Scott and so forth. The game has always been predicated on space. And when you don't have that space working because guys cannot shoot a lick because you're shooting 
10 of 40, then guess what? You're, you're going to be atrocious offensively and you're going to become very one-dimensional. But to be honest, Chas, I don't even know what's worse, the shooting percentage or the fact that these guys are jacking up 35 to 40 attempts a night. That, that, that's the thing. That, right. That's the thing for me. If so, you know you can't shoot, why are you shooting so much? So I just don't understand why they're taking the shots that the other teams are wanting them to take. Chauncey Billups came out and said, you know, hey, we we put Russ Norkic on Russ, their center, Portland center, so that way they could clog the lane, take away some of that space, and dare Russell Westbrook to shoot, which he did, Mm -hmm. along with – there were plenty of other, you know, boneheaded plays. LeBron took some ill-advised shots. Patrick Beverly took an ill-advised three. But this is all because of the terrible spacing of – Russ being on the floor yeah. and I don't let Darvin Ham off off the no 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 either. and I'll tell you really, this yes. in, my, in my opinion yeah no and, and I'm going to turn it back over to you that's a good point because I was about to bring that up you beat me to it so that's one concern the other concern is the late game execution remember we were trash I mean not me personally but a lot of people were trashing Vogel last year no offensive cohesion no offensive system how, how many late games how many games uh, did the Lakers lose in the final minutes of the fourth quarter just because down of the stretch, uh, terrible? Yeah, they yeah. were terrible down the stretch. Either poor free throw shooting, poor shot selection, no play calling, no identity offensively. We didn't know what this team would do. It was basically LeBron and go figure it out, especially because Anthony Davis missed more than half the season. So you didn't even have another guy to go to. So LeBron has an ill advised shot. Beverly has an ill advised shot. Of course, Westbrook's shot became infamous and overshadowed those two other shots because it was when he took it. You have a one-point lead. Why are you going for a two-for-one? Furthermore, why are you going for it with 18 on the shot clock? Use some more time. And you know Nurkic has got five fouls. Go at him. So it was just such a boneheaded play. But this is something Darvin Ham and the coaching staff have got to work on. We need good, solid execution in the later games. And this is why they need another bona fide score on the perimeter who can go out and not only shoot, but go out and get his own shot and potentially make a play. And that's going to lead us to what we're going to talk about a little bit later on. So that is really annoying to me how they lost these games because they were in pretty well, maybe not the Warriors game, but they were in these last two games. They were. And, and, they, they and were had they committed. executed better down the stretch, had they made a few more threes, we might be saying they should be two and one. But the but the bottom line is, Chaz, before I get it back to you. Russ is a problem. Yes, his commitment to defense is better. I applaud him for that. But the lack of shooting, the lack of finishing, <laughs> the bonehead decision plays, and it just seems like he's not even getting anybody involved. And it's just the lineups that don't have him in it are the best ones. And you're seeing AD show out. You're seeing LeBron do his thing. You're seeing Lonnie Walker do well, Reeves. I was very impressed with Troy Brown. That was another high point. I thought he looked good in his season, in, in, in his season debut. But Russ, man, I, I, I just don't see how he fits. And the thing is, not all of these issues are his fault, Chaz, but he is the link that unfortunately is going to lead you to getting some help for AD and LeBron on this Lakers squad. So my main thing with the Lakers is this. When it comes to Russ, he's not the problem, like the main problem or the only problem, but he definitely isn't the solution either. So the main problem for this team is shooting because for defensive rating, they're second in the league. They're first in steals. They're first in opponent points in the paint. They're first in opponent turnovers, but the 30th in offensive rating 
and they're 30th and last in the league in three-point percentage. Mm -hmm. Why? Because partially because I believe Darvin Ham hasn't implemented enough of the system to have structure offensively for this team. He's kind of allowing them to play free-flowingly offensively and take shots based off of just reads, in which they're great players. They're NBA players, but it seems like to me it's too new and needs a little bit more structure, which is why they're taking ill-advised shots as well. They're not shooting good shots that are wide open or have enough spacing or shots that have enough rhythm, making the extra pass. I tweeted out during the last game, Lonnie Walker, somebody that really needs to learn how to make the extra pass because there's a, a few times where guys are open where, you know, you make that extra pass, you, you've got that next guy in rhythm. Mm. He might actually have a better chance to make that three um, than what the Lakers have shown thus far. But also moreover than this, LeBron James is culpable in some of this Russ narrative, so to speak. He is culpable in this because he said on opening night, hey, we just don't have the shooting. We're, we can't shoot a penny in the ocean, he said the other night. No he lasers. Pretty, no lasers, pretty much alluding to the fact that the Lakers don't have any shooting. You already did that and set that opening night. So you already set up what the media's narrative and questions are going to be, knowing that you don't have shooting, knowing that the person that's making the most on your team is the worst shooter on the team as well. So you already set up those questions. So how are you going to get mad at the fact that Dave McMiniman specifically asked a question to LeBron and he took it some kind of way. Listen here. LeBron basketball philosophy wise, if you're the team with the lead uh, in the final minute, um, is it, do you support going for the two for one or can you be, because you already have the lead, um, be more um, selective in terms of taking your time with the possession? I don't know. I feel like this is an interview of trying to set me up to say something. Um, I can tell that you guys are in the whole Russell Westbrook uh, category right now. Um, I don't like to lose. I hate to lose at any. I don't care what happens throughout the course of uh, um, the course of my season or throughout the course of my career. I hate to lose, and you know, especially you know the way we had this game. Um, but give credit to Portland. You guys can write about Russ and all the things you guys want to try to talk about Russ, but I'm not up here to do that. I won't do it. I've said it over and over. Um, that is not my, it's not who I am. So, but Chris, ch check it out. I, I, I'm okay with that. But really, what I liked is what Darvin Ham said about people being in their feelings. He has the saying, facts over feelings, letting the tape speak for itself. Listen to what Darvin Ham had to say about the narrative of people being in their feelings about sulking and not getting enough playing time. Allah alluding to Russell Westbrook. We don't have time for feelings, so people to be in their feelings. Like, we're trying to turn this thing around. And so for one person to be in their feelings about when and where and how they should be in the game, I don't have any time for that. We're not allowing that narrative to even exist in our uh, program that we're doing to get the Lakers back to where they should be, and that's at the top of the food chain. So that's the thing, man. That, that there there it is right there i love the fact that darvin ham has the gumption to be able to say that be public be direct with it um i just don't like the fact that he didn't start off the season with bringing russ off the bench because he can't 
bring him off the bench now or else he's going to be a cancer in the locker room, which he's already starting to be. I feel like the energy is just completely off whether he wants to to show it or not. So you bring Russ off the bench, he's going to become a malcontent, in my opinion, and then you're going to have to try and send him home. And the Lakers do not want to compound this terrible decision that they made where they could have they could have kept Caruso and KCP and Kuzma and mathematically still had enough room to add PJ Tucker for the $47 million that Russell Westbrook is giving them right now. They technically could have went that route, <laughs> but they didn't. So you don't want to compound that with giving up additional assets because we played on the, the clip before when Ron Palenka said you only got one shot at it. So once you blow your assets, you blow your last few chips, you, you can't get them back. So I understand them not making a move. I know there's a lot of names being floated out there. Let's get into it. Yeah. Terry Rozier, McDermott, um, Josh Richardson, Field, Miles yeah. Turner, Josh Richardson, a lot of stuff going on. Chris, what, well, do you, what do you make of the names that are viable? And do you think they should take any of those deals if they're if they mean less assets? Or do you think that they should wait? as long as they can, even if they start 0-5, 0-6, 0-7 even by next week. I, I think at this point, it's not going to get any better with Russ. It could only get worse at this point. Uh, and I respect Darvin Ham for trying to make it work or at least tell him like, hey, if you could trade him, great. But if you can't, I'm going to try to make this work. I'm going to try to get this guy to buy in. But Ham also doesn't have that sort of cachet. I love the fact of what he said, Chaz. I'm not denying that. Um, as far as the offensive system goes, I wish he would have hired a veteran assist, offensive-minded assistant, <clears throat> Terry Stotts. Uh, but, hey, this is, this, is what it is. This, is, this is what it is. But I don't even I like know how if you Terry, slipped that in there. <laughs> but I don't even know if Terry Stotts would, would be able to help these guys shoot no, the ball man. any better. So that's no. the thing. So, so it might be, uh, you know, trying to catch uh, catching pennies at this point. Um, but as far as the, the Russell Westbrook situation, you're right. You don't have that many chips at the table. So you have got to be 100% sure. And the thing is, Chaz, there is no ideal scenario in this. There really isn't. All of these guys are good players in some aspect or another. The San Antonio package looks pretty good. Dougie McBuckets, we know he could shoot. He can create off the dribble a little bit. Josh Richardson, a five-tool player. He could shoot. He could defend. You could put him at a point-forward situation. Somebody who could maybe even run the second unit for you. And Pirtle, the last couple of years in San Antonio, low-key, has been a really solid 12 and 14 kind of guy you know i mean hell we, we've seen him give ad fits the last couple of years when the lakers have faced off against the spurs so that package looks very interesting i am intrigued by the charlotte package for this reason scoring guards who know how to pass but it's not they're, they're not pass first point guards they're scoring guards who happen to play the point guard position i always say scoring is their stake playmaking is their mashed potatoes that is terry rogier And we've seen LeBron do really well with those kind of guys. Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade, he was able to be successful with them. It allows LeBron to be more of a pass-first player. And LeBron now doesn't have to be that guy down the stretch. He could defer to Scary Terry to basically be like, hey, last two minutes of the game, go out and get him, Scary. Go, go, Go get him, boy, you know? Plus you get Gordon Hayward. Plus you maybe get, I don't know, who else was attached to that package? P.J. Washington? You know, solid player out of Kentucky. I'm sure him and AD would would complement each other just fine. Hayward, I, here's the problem. Everyone's like, well, the contracts, the contracts, the contracts. Once again, you have to assess what's more important, winning now 
or planning for the future. LeBron already signed the extension, so he ain't going anywhere unless he retires, right? So my thing is this. If you, let me just say this one last point because it's important. If you take on more salary, the salary is not going to be three or four years. It's going to be a year or two, maybe three at the most, maybe. So if you take on those additional years, right, including this season, those contracts doesn't mean that they won't be immovable. It just means you're now, you're now not going to be a player in free agency. But in doing so, Chaz, maybe only part way with one of those picks. And maybe you could make it protected in order Here's to get some help. I like that. I'm I, I'm not against that. I don't want any of the I'm inclined to let this season be as bad as it possibly can be. That's what I'm inclined to do. If I'm if I'm Rapalenka, I really am. Because here's the thing. You get 50 million in the summer. Yeah. You get 50 million in the summer and you have a 2023 pick next year either way. Now, New Orleans has the right to swap, but either way you're going to have a first round pick. So you can't trade consecutive first round picks, but you can trade the 2023 pick on draft night. You can't trade it through the season, but you can trade it on draft night. So imagine you so, have So hold on. Three. So, so, so hold I'm on. sorry. No, no, no. Let, let me just understand oh, this. Oh, go ahead. So, so not only would they have the 50 million because of Russ's expiring contract, should they ride it out the rest of the season with them, whether he plays or send him home, they would Correct. also have a 2023 first rounder, even if it's a swap. So you would have the 50 million plus three first rounders, theoretically? Correct. On wow. draft night. Continue. I'm sorry. I wanted to get that right in my head. Go ahead. So, so with that, knowing that LeBron is going to pass Kareem, and obviously, let's say you, you bring Russ off the bench. He's still, he's still defiant. He still takes bad shots. He still goes two for one, up one with 30 seconds left in the game. He's still not shooting well. He's a malcontent. Let's say all those things happen. And eventually you just send them home because you can and you're within your rights to do that because you don't want to give up any more assets for them and you don't want to just be marginally better. Those are those are all of the reasons why I'm inclined to just let this season play out, especially because the Lakers are plus 13 in LeBron and AD minutes, but a minus four rating when you add Russ to LeBron and AD being on the floor. So the addition of, say, maybe a person like Mo Harkless that they've worked out recently. Maybe you get Dennis Schroeder back, Thomas Bryant back. Um, I love the way Troy Brown Jr. looked. Solid, uh, right? He, he, yeah, I, I love the way he looked. He's he's going to be solid uh, for us moving forward, especially defensively. Uh, so along along with Austin Reeves and everybody, you have you have a solid team, especially if you could just get Russ off the court. You can make it about LeBron. You could still be competitive because you you clearly have the makings of a team that competes defensively and are completely different on that end than you were last year. So it's still salvageable with what you have are all the reasons why I believe that the Lakers should hold off and not just part ways with a first round pick to get Russ off and bring back McDermott and still have to pay him $24 million partially next year and, and, possibly still have to pay miles turner if you pay if you trade for him buddy healed all of that no i don't want to give up any assets just to be marginally better right. especially if you have to give up both assets so but is lebron and, and ad and everybody are they going to sign off on riding it out with this group i i'm not so they don't sure have a look they don't have a choice at this point they're locked in 
You're locked in. You're locked in. Do you and think Palenka has already sold him on that, on that, on those aspects? I on both think, of them? I, Mostly LeBron. I think, I think that they know if they go 0-6, 0-7, and it's just not working, and you're bringing, them up, and bringing Russ off the bench, still not working, bad attitude, bad energy in the locker room because all the questions, they're, they're just starting. You know, we're only a week into the season. Let's say it goes two more weeks and it's real bad. And let's say Russ goes off on BT or, you know, it gets really nasty and they got to send him like, yeah, they'll sign off on it at that point. So I'm just interested to see how long they go because if they start winning without him, if they start winning without him, that's great. But also let's say you keep playing him it's for sure going to cost you more than just a pick to take him on. It's like, I feel like the longer you hold on to him, even though his contract is expiring, I, I don't still understand going to cost that his another contract team. Has so value. Why do these teams want two unprotected picks with an expiring because, contract? Because the Lakers that makes are no trying sense to, to me. They're trying, they're trying to do it all in one foul swoop. They're trying to get back two or three guys like a, two birds Clarkson, with one stone. Yeah. A, a Mike Connolly, a Bogdanovich at right. the same time is getting them off. They're trying to do, they're trying to clean up as much mess of it as they can, or make one trip from the car, from the grocery store, rather than two. We'll do anything to not make two stops from the, you I know, know how coming that back from the car. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. Good analogy there, partner. I like that. So, I think so, that's something we could all relate to. In, in closing for the Lakers, we got to move on to the rest of the NBA. We, 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 we've kind of exhausted this a little bit, but you're better off waiting because you potentially imagine the Lakers with all the cap space, LeBron and AD extended three first round picks and whatever disgruntled star is going to become available between now and June. Somebody is obviously it's not going to be possibly Damian Lillard. We'll get into that on why not, but so so the question, the question Laker fans have to ask themselves, are you willing to eat this season? Three games in, are you willing to eat it for a potential big summer? I'll tell you right now. I am. If you can get Russ off the floor, I can tell this team can compete without Russ. So you would I, have I your cake and eat it too, then. Okay. I that okay. that's just my, my position right now. Talk I might might be different next week when they're 0 and 6, 0 and 7 if they lose to Denver as well as Minnesota back to back. We'll see. But talk to me then. But as of right now, if you can get Russ off the floor and they can win a game or two, especially if Russ's mysterious hamstring starts to flare up and he can't go on Wednesday and the Lakers win without him. We'll see, but there's another team that's racking up some wins and playing pretty good. And that is the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant has gone for almost 50 already in this early in this NBA season. He was able to knock off the Brooklyn Nets this past week on Monday uh, in scoring 37 points respectively with Desmond Bain, who also had a huge 38 points. Uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant did their thing with 37 points apiece. It was the first time since, what, 1959, they said, where four players, two from each team, all went over 35. So it might have been a uh, scene out of NBA Jam right there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was, <laughs> it was a great, it was a great game. Uh, but the, really the key 
or the main highlight in this game for me was the fact that John Morant baited Ben Simmons into his sixth foul. Uh, ben Simmons has fouled out, and now I believe three of the four games that the Brooklyn Nets have played thus far, uh, averaging you know 10 points, four rebounds, five assists, uh, not looking like himself out there. Chris, what do you make of the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies have gone out, gotten off to a hot start and looking pretty good out there? And what do you make of the Brooklyn Nets now falling to one and two with their only win coming against the Toronto Raptors, even though Seth Curry hasn't played for them yet thus far? Well, let me comment on Memphis first. This was the one team I was a little bit, I wanted to pay attention to because I think you saw Atlanta last year struggle after having that incredible run in 2021, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You kind of saw them have a dud of a season. They finished, I think, ninth or 10th in the Eastern Conference, ended up being a playing team. And then once they got in, they got waxed by the Miami Heat in the first round to the point where it was just like, you know, you brought back all these guys and it didn't make a difference. Sometimes these young teams, after they have some success, they struggle because now teams are targeting them. You can't sneak up on them. Everyone's now gunning for you, especially in, in Memphis's case, in Memphis's case, because they were a two seed. And so far through the first four games, minus Jaron Jackson Jr., they've been great. Uh, even Dylan Brooks missed the first two games and they've played really well. Brooks is now back, but didn't shoot the ball well, but still brought that defensive intensity and, and played really well. Bain has been fantastic. Take taking another step forward job playing like an MVP. You've got a lot of guys like John Conchar and, and this kid Aldama been playing really well for them. So once again, the great thing about Memphis doesn't matter who's in or who's out. They have a next man up mentality. How many games did Ja miss last year? And they were still able to go like 20 and five without him. I mean, that's incredible for a young team. So Taylor Jenkins has created this mentality of it doesn't matter who's on the floor. Are you going to be able to contribute? Are you going to take those reins and run with them? And so far, all of those players that they have developed and brought into that system, they have continued to, uh, to grow and evolve and improve. And that mentality has not wavered. And I think that's going to be key for them to be successful. As far as Brooklyn goes, disappointing. No question about that. Um, you know, I think everyone was thinking Simmons is, I mean, we were talking about it. If Brooklyn is healthy and everybody is, is there, plus you picked up some good pieces. You got Joe Harris back. Uh, I think they're still missing Seth Curry. So I think they're missing him a little bit, but yeah, it's been the Durant show and Kyrie and pretty much crickets everywhere else. Ben has not looked good at all. He's been fouling out. John made him look like a damn fool the other night, baiting him into that six foul. And, you know, John was sending a little payback back to Ben. So um, Brooklyn is going to be targeted this year. So I think it's early for them, but Chaz, they can't defend a lick. That's something that has not improved. And if any sort of injury happens to Duran or or Kyrie, I don't know how they're going to respond. So there's some things to be worried worried about. about Yeah. The, the yeah. defense and what's going to happen when they get injured with Memphis. If, if they're dealing with injuries, they're going to be just fine. They're going to have guys that are going to step up. Who's going to do that for Brooklyn. I, I think, I think Kyrie is looking pretty good thus far. Oh, Kyrie uh, looks he, great. He, 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 he can play great, better. Yeah. He can play better on the defensive end. I believe in part, but as a team, uh, improve, yeah, as, as a team, I, I like the addition of Royce O'Neal. I love the fact that, you know, Ben Simmons is playing kind of like that linebacker role, um, you know, getting the people the ball when they need it the most in the right spots, in the right hand, in rhythm. Um, They look good from one perspective, but then defensively, they just don't look great either. If you give up 134 points, 
uh, to a Memphis squad, you're probably going to lose that game. So. And they gave up 130 to New Orleans, so they got to keep it at least to the 110. Like, I mean, they're just they just don't look good. I mean, once again, Chaz, it's early. We can't overreact or underreact, but I mean, that is that is sort of a disappointing start, a one and two start for a team that we thought was going to be better and definitely well, start roaring out of the gates. I'm not, we're not seeing that. Well, you know who's making crazy waves right now who surprisingly is at the top of the NBA standings right now? Hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side of this break, man. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage, to being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel to trying your best, yeah, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum Podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You can also follow us on www.nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com, and go to the shows tab, and that'll take you to our Apple podcast page. Chaz, like I said before the break, we can't overreact, we can't underreact, but I would be a damn fool if we sat here today and said that the top teams in the Western Conference started with the Portland Trail Blazers at 4-0, followed by New Orleans at 3-1, San Antonio at 3-1, Utah at 3-1, and, and then Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State, and Denver following from 5-8. through eight. Four teams that everyone thought were going to be cellar dwellers, tanking for Wembayama. We still got to come up with a catchy ring phrase, uh, a catchphrase for that. Uh, but Portland, you know... I. I, I like some of the subtle moves they made in the offseason, but really it's about getting Dame and Nurkic back healthy. But I got to tell you, they're not just 4-0, Chaz. They've beaten Phoenix. They, they came back against the Lakers, of course, and they handled Denver on Monday night. So Dame time, Dame time is back. You could tell the fans are excited. The front office clearly is committed to Dame after he has proven time and time again that he is committed to them. Chauncey Billups looks better second year. Uh, as, as head coach, seems like he's a little bit more comfortable. And honestly, Chaz, when you're winning, things look good. In your opinion, why has Portland gotten out to the, t- to the great start that they have? They are playing together. They're playing completely differently on the defensive end. Uh, they're holding teams down. Dame Lillard is doing his thing, averaging 33-5. and five. Nurkic is gobbling up a bunch of rebounds at 12 rebounds a game. And you got players like Anthony Simons. Coming, coming to life and hitting eight shots in a row, six threes in a row in that third quarter against Denver to take a 13-point lead. Um, 
I mean, you're getting solid play from Nazir Little. Um, you're getting solid play from the centers. It's just it. It's a snowball. Uh, hold on, effect. hold on. You're you're missing a guy there. I'm, I know I'm missing a name. I you're purposely missing left a name. You're getting great play from your guy that you thought would be a great fit. I'm gonna give you all the kudos in the world. I purposely left his name out. Jeremy Grant, who had the game winner over LeBron's head, Anthony Davis almost blocked, but Jeremy Grant's been, been playing great. Two way player hitting grit shots, playing good defensively. Six nine lengthy wing that can you know defend anybody on the perimeter the threes and the fours the twos um i don't know if he can really defend ones probably can't and um they've transformed defensively and chauncey billups is doing his thing and dame is healthy mm. and for real and he is giving lonnie walker he is giving jamal murray he is giving anybody that guards him the absolute business on the perimeter. And it's good to see. Yeah. I'm happy for Dane. I'm I, I really am. I'm happy for the fact that, you know, he he's battled through injuries. He's he's taken the money. He stayed. He he's developed a family, uh, a good foundation there in Portland. He's obviously not going anywhere. And I like to see the Ch Chauncey Billups win as well. So the Portland Trailblazers are for real. They're gonna hit some adversity at some point, but right. the fact that they're they're performing you know, pretty consistently out the gate. And you have players like Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, Shaden Sharp yeah. playing great to go along with Dame's 33 a night. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, it's and just a recipe. It's just a recipe for wins. Absolutely. And Chaz, they're not even whole yet. Gary Payton, the second, one of their other big free agent pickups uh, isn't even playing yet. A uh, guy who had a career year with the Golden State Warriors was a big part of their championship run, mostly in the NBA finals. I, I mean, he, he was hurt. For the uh, for the two rounds uh, after I think in the second round against Memphis and then uh, did did not play in the conference finals and then came back in the finals and really made a difference. So they're going to get him back as a backup guard. And what I like about their team, Chaz, you could make the argument they're almost a big four. You got four guys in that lineup that can get you twenty plus on any given night. Obviously, Dame. It it hurt me to see because I'm such a big Dame fan, but to see him give my Lakers the business, our Lakers the business like that, 41 Man. points and doing efficiently and led them to that comeback. They were down seven with under two minutes to go. The chances of them winning that game are slim to none. And he ended up willing them to that, to that, um, to that win. So they just look really good. Um, Nurkic is also back healthy. Remember he, he was hurt the final months of the season. And obviously they were sort of in tank mode. They weren't sure what direction they were going, going in. They traded CJ McCollum, but now that's created an opportunity for Anthony Simons. Who's looked fantastic in a full-time role, Jeremy Grant. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's been productive and he's only gotten better the last few years, becoming a 18 to 23 point per game score. Josh Hart is a guy that you don't need to draw any plays up for, uh, works his tail off every night, plays great defense, can rebound, can knock down a three. Like you said, they got the young guys off the bench with Sharp and Winslow and uh, and Nasir Little, who they just gave an extension to. And shout out to Billups and the coaching staff. They're, they finally now have something to work with. And now they feel like if we're healthy, we could really surprise some people in, in this competitive Western Conference. And I am going to go out on a limb right now and say this. Oh, man. They're in a win-win situation. I could see them finishing as a top five, top six seed in the Western Conference. And here's the best part. If things go south, you've got tradable assets that you could stockpile more assets. Grant is an expiring deal. You could move he Josh is. Hart if you want to. I'm just saying you have tradable assets. 
So if things go south and you decide, okay, this isn't working, we got to go back to the drawing board. Grant, thanks. Hart, thanks. Whoever. Trade those guys, keep Dame, and then try to get back at it next summer. But I'm telling you, this Portland team, like you no, said, defensively it, and offensively, how balanced they are, they got a big four, man. They got I'll a tell big you, four. They don't have a big four. Yeah, they, they have a they have a big one. Jeremy Grant's not a big anything. Anthony Simons isn't a big anything. Josh four Hart guys that can get you 20 anything. plus. That's not a big four. Those guys can't get you 20 points consistently. None of them have averaged. 20 points a game. Capable none of them capable of giving you for a uh, 20 plus. They can, capable. but none of them, not at the same time. But you none, of, none of them have, none of them have averaged that. You can go ahead and, and jump on the bandwagon if you want. I won't. I think that they're for real, but talk to me in another week because over their next six games, they got Phoenix twice and Miami twice and Memphis in there. So after 10 games, let's see if they're five and five or if they're still seven and three or eight and two. That'll let me know if they're for real. But so far at four and oh, beating my Lakers and beating the teams that they have in Denver as well. Um, I think they're for real and they're playing like it, they're for real. But the jury for me is still out. And no, they don't have a big four. They have a big one and other complimentary guys and a solid coach and a good defensive scheme and some continuity as well. So in addition to the Portland trailblazers, there's a bunch of other teams that I think are being surprised. They're making me surprised. And as well as many others as well, probably a bunch of you guys listening. Also the Pelicans beat the Dallas Mavericks mm. at full strength without Zion, without Brandon Ingram, without Herb Jones, without mm. with an ex uh, hyperextended knee, uh, B.I. is in concussion protocol and Zion took that nasty fall. Uh, clean block by Jordan Clarkson, but yeah. Zion came down on his hip. Uh, he's going to be playing, I believe they said, next week or on Friday. Chris, what do you make of the fact that the teams that we thought that were going to be tanking, like Indiana, like San Antonio, like OKC, like Houston, some of these teams are three and one and are making waves in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference uh, with Utah. Um, I think Utah is the biggest uh, surprise. Right, Utah's there. the biggest surprise, right? Is oh, that, yeah, definitely. I mean, they traded their two all-star players. They traded another talented wing in, uh, in uh, Bojan Bogdanovich. So uh, they got a brand-new head coach. They fired Quinn Snyder. They brought in, uh, who is it, Will something? I don't even know who the head coach is. Will Hardy? Uh, Will Hardy. I was going to call him Will Creed. But Will Hardy, yeah. So who worked with? Uh, I think he was on Ime Udoka's staff in Boston last year. So um, yeah, I mean they're they're playing good. And Lowry Marketing has had a renaissance of the season. I don't know where the heck that guy came from. I mean, we were thinking this guy is just a glorified stretch four, stretch five, somebody who could knock down threes. But he has just been all world. Colin Sexton's played well. Clarkson's been looking good. Um, they, they're they they've got a they they have really. Uh, come out with the right energy, all of these teams. I just think, to be honest, if you're a team like Denver or you're a team like the Lakers or Phoenix or who, whoever, you're expected to go out there and, and beat these teams. Whereas these teams, they're kind of playing with house money, Chaz. No one's expecting them to win. They're going to get overlooked. So you know what? Let, let's go slap these guys upside the head and show them what we're about. I mean, you saw the San Antonio Spurs go into 
uh, Philly against your Sixers and get a big time win on Saturday My night. My Sixers. <laughs> I mean, they finally got their first win, but still not, not a very promising start for Philly. But it just goes to show you that if you take an opponent lightly, anybody has the talent to beat you on any given night. I, I mean, that's just the, the fact of the matter. OKC, I mean, down Josh Giddy and, and have every incentive to lose. Granted, the Clippers were shorthanded, but still, they were up, what, 20-plus in that game? And, and, they, and they handled the Clippers. We, Giddy's we, nice. Yeah, Josh no, Giddy, Giddy is. Giddy is nice, but, so, I mean. Solid player. They're down Giddy. Clippers are down Kawhi and Paul George, and they still have, I mean, Clippers are, what, 11 deep. So you would think we could we have enough talent to go into OKC and beat the, the Thunder minus our top two players. But Oklahoma City gave them the business. So it just kind of goes to show you on any given night anybody can be beaten. So you better start respecting your opponents, especially right now, because it is a fresh start. There have been no adversity, no injuries, no expectations. So these teams basically got nothing to lose and they're taking full advantage of these opportunities. But Utah, that's been the one that has stood out. We talked about New Orleans being really, really good, but we did not see Utah coming. That's for sure. Utah is messing up their own positioning for Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, but I I mean I, it seems like Utah seems to get these guys, right? Either Utah or OKC or you know it, it might be the Spurs actually who might be the the team that gets them because they have the least amount of talent, but they're 3 and 1 as well. Mm-hmm. In the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards are 3 and 1 and they've come up with huge wins as well. Kuzma's looking like a great NBA player, solid NBA player. <sighs> Another um, one I got right. I mean, I mean, I was president of the Coos Hive, uh, as we all know, and I was Coos right. was number one fan. I never wanted to trade Coos, but I understood if it. But you back threw shade my way when I said Washington might be a surprise playoff team. I I did, but hey, they're three and one. They beaten. I mean, they beaten the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Pistons. Not all great wins they lost to a, a solid cleveland team who's in overtime also to to an in overtime as well but um th- there's a lot of teams that that's making some some headway in the nba it is only a weekend so i'm not going to get the jury still out on every team even the most disappointing teams with the lakers and the kings and the orlando magic who are 0 4 the teams that haven't gotten off the schneid yet i believe that the lakers will win one of these games against Denver or Minnesota. Minnesota, in fact, is a disappointing team uh, with only being 2-0. and And Carl Anthony Towns isn't playing great. Uh, kind of playing a little lazy now that they have Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is averaging like 15 rebounds a game, and they're just j- jacking up a bunch of threes, in my opinion. And they're coming off of a terrible loss where San Antonio comes in to their arena and blows them out. They only won by nine points, but they were up by over 20 points multiple times, and they lost to the Utah Jazz. So, um, immature. It, it just does, They're immature. It just does, but, the, but did you hear what Carl Anthony Towns had to say about Anthony Edwards and how he said, you know, I, I know he comes up here and talks about, you know, eating Popeyes and this and that, but I don't like it. Like, I think Carl Anthony Towns is one to speak. He has to get his own game right and consistent. I get he's a three-point champ and a a former all-star. He still has a lot to prove. And Anthony Edwards is that guy. He's the best guy on the team. He's better than Cat and Gobert if he's playing at his tip-top shape. So there are some teams that are really surprising, but the Minnesota Timberwolves, along 
with the Lakers and the Kings and the Magic um, are disappointing to start as well. Yeah, and I think for Minnesota, we thought this was going to be a massive step forward for them. But I, the one thing that I, I see with Minnesota, especially now that Beverly is gone, they don't have a really true veteran leader that can kind of rally this group up the way Beverly was able to have that impact on that on that squad last year. So that's the one thing I'm a little concerned with because as good as Rudy Gobert is, and he's going to bring a lot of important facets to the team, defensive rebounding, clogging up the paint, block shots, things like that. A former defensive player of the year. He's still a great finisher around the rim. The problem is he doesn't bring an element of experience and leadership where it's like when he talks, you listen. He doesn't have that sort of experience. I mean, we've seen this guy get exposed in the playoffs. So these guys may look at him and be like, bro, what the hell are you going to tell us? You haven't won anything. You've gone to the second round. That's it. So that's my concern that if Minnesota continues on this pace of sliding early on and digging themselves in an early hole, we've mentioned this. I just mentioned this. Young teams that have success – how do they build on that going into the next year when there's now a target on your back? So this will be a big test for Minnesota to see how they rally, what kind of maturity they have, and if they could push through the adversity without starting to point fingers at one another. So, but yeah, I agree with you. They've been a, a pretty big disappointment through the first week. Hey, really quick. Did you, did you see this deal with Mitchell and Ness and fanatics and the fact that uh 76ers owner, Mr. Rubin, has now has a group that includes LeBron James and CP three and Odell Beckham jr. And Kevin Durant and rich Kleiman. And just to name a few, they bought stock in Mitchell and S and, and I just want to mention this because this is great. This goes back to the days where people and guys like myself, even when I was 10, 11, 12 years old was rocking throwback jerseys with the bandanas and the do rags and the hat to the back. Um, Mitchell and Ness, is the company that makes all of those goods and throwbacks oh, yeah. and, and the, and the fact that, you know, you're going to have, you know, CJ McCollum, Devin Booker, James Harden, Joel Embiid, um, Kevin Hart is, is all a part of this ownership group um, that is going to have a say so in the product moving forward. So um, I just like the fact that the people that are wearing it are going to be the people that has a voice in it and representing it as well. So, Big shout out to all those guys, uh, you know, getting with Michael Rubin with the Fanatics founder and 76ers owner uh, to do that. But also, um, Chris, we got to get to the social media post of the week. There's a lot of funny stuff that happened over the course of this last week. Um, I got mine ready to go. Chris, I'm going to let you always go first. So what is your social media post of the week? Oh man, there were a lot of good ones. Uh, and we've talked about Wembayama. So this one is short, but it's, it's something I think we're going to see go viral quite a bit this year. So this is from underdog NBA at underdog underscore NBA. And it said, Josh Giddy in parentheses, ankle comma, Victor Wembanyama <laughs> listed <laughs> out for Tuesday, <laughs> which goes to show you teams will purposely sit their star guys. Maybe not so much now. And if they do, it'll be very subtle. But watch out toward the second half of the season when some of their fates are going to be sealed. You're going to be seeing a lot of guys have healthy scratches, a lot of DNP CDs. Why? Not because of an injury, quote unquote. We don't have to deal with this crap with load management. But then it comes a fight for We want to get as many ping pong balls as possible so we can get the ultimate prize come summertime in the form 
of Victor Wembanyama. So the, who knows? Maybe in the Lakers we'll get in on that. Jazz. They're gonna they're gonna be taken from man. And the fact that this is the year that or the season that's going to preclude Victor Wembanyama coming in, something has to bounce the Lakers' way. It just has to as far as a deal becoming available to set them up to be better. But my social media post of the week comes from at underscore Dr. Selzman. Uh, he quote tweeted something that says, bruh, ain't no city in the world like Memphis, Maine. Hell nah. Grizz game too loose, LOL. And it's a picture of Moneybag Yo with a couple of his partners and they got the cash out and they, you know, I don't know if they shooting dice or taking pictures, but it's a couple pictures here where, they got a bunch of money on the floor and my man at underscore Dr. Selzman quote tweeted, quote tweeted it with Grizz is going to be the first team indicted in a Rico. And I thought that that was one of the funniest things that I saw because obviously not making light of the fact that young thug and Gunna and many others are going through that Rico, but uh, just the fact that uh, they had that money on the floor and they was, you know, having a good time. And Memphis is one of the teams where they have that environment, they have that uh, energy. And, uh, you know, shout out to at underscore Dr. Selzman for the funny tweet of the week. That's it. You guys know where to get at us every week on Wednesdays at the outlet forum. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? Could always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, CCamelo1. Be sure to follow our social media page for the podcast at The Outlet Forum. That's at The Outlet Forum on both Twitter and Instagram. Solid work again, partner, but we got a long ways to go, but it should be an exciting week. Who knows? Maybe Russ will be gone by the next time we record and do the next show. But until then, tune in because we're going to have updates not only on Russ's situation, but the rest of the league, as you guys guys can tell, 250 days with Brittany Griner being in Russia, still being detained. Free BG. We can't forget about can't forget about that. Free BG elections coming up. Pressure might get put on. We'll see. But until next week, we'll see you guys and we'll talk to you guys about what's going on in the NBA. Until then, peace. Mm-hmm.